You came here to hear from Giriraj Maharaj, uh, and he's so humble that he says it would be good if I were to begin. Uh, as we're servants of each other, I will. Krishna has put us together again. I, I believe I was on a tour recently in New York and I missed you by a week. And I almost felt like postponing everything, but it would have been a domino effect. And you see, Prabhupada, they asked me, what are the qualities of Prabhupada that you most like? And <coughs> there's so many. His compassion. He was the coolest person I ever met. And I met from Miles Davis to Kankisi, or let's say George Harrison, who's really cool in these circles. And Prabhupada was the coolest. But what was so nice, he would find out what was the best in us. He would see our talents and encourage us to use our talents for Krishna. And he he would see inside of us. If if I was fibbing to him, he would catch it. He would see inside many times. So I'm actually finishing another book, and in the last chapter, I'm, I'm showing why someone would join Krishna consciousness when they're having such a good time. Many people join because they're tired of the material world, or they're curious, or whatever. I was having a good time, and along comes Prabhupada. And he laughed a lot, and he smiled, and he spoon-fed us Krishna consciousness. There were no books. No. He'd sit on the altar at first. He didn't tell us about a Vyasasana. He didn't tell us about bowing down. He was our father, Jamuna on one side, Malati on the other. It wasn't a gender thing. It was our father in our midst. And he showed us uh, not only his charm, but he put, as in his words, he put something tangible in place. He brought the whole Veda culture and himself and gave it to us. And so when he found very intelligent, Young people who were tired, 
they saw through from young ages what their parents were doing wasn't so right, even if their parents were good people. That their lifestyle, their goals, their aspirations were something that we didn't want to do. And Prabhupada came and put something tangible, an alternative. And so he found talented young people like my dear, dear friend Giriraj Maharaj, who came from the Boston Temple. And I told somebody here that they said, I came to hear Giriraj Maharaj and you don't know what a great presence you have in your place here, that you should avail yourself of all questions you have. He's one of the few torchbearers of Prabhupada's mission that is really doing it very nicely. He's still humble, he's caring, and he even does things slowly, just like Prabhupada. <laughs> Not in a hurry. That impresses me so much in this modern world. He's, and his kirtan is just like the old days, so sweet. The old tunes are not in a hurry. Not a Radha Damodar parties clanging cartels in your face. So, although I was on the Radha Damodar party, but they called us the Bliss Bus. Uh, he was offered a million dollars to not become a devotee. This gentleman, Maharaj, before us. And he saw, it's like Krishna or the army. You have Krishna or the whole army. No, he chose to be a devotee. And it was very, very austere in the Boston Temple. I'm not going to take up too much time because I do want to hear from you, but I want to introduce who you are. I used to joke that the Boston Temple's Istagoshi was how you cut up the chickpea. That Jadarani would get the left part of the chickpea and Satsuru would get the middle and you would get the right. <laughs> it wasn't that austere, but when I told that story to somebody, they said, well, it was sort of like that. And so when he and I first met, Prabhupada wanted us to go to India, and, and the idea, one of the ideas is to show the Indian culture that was taking Krishna consciousness for granted that there's these people, educated young men and women, who were embracing this, and that would affect them, and that was the idea. And so we had a party of 17 the creme de la creme, the, the, the best from all the different temples. And I was asked to be in charge of the party going to India, and we had equipment with us, irons and slide projectors and film, and we, we split it up among us. 
Jinnanath, Rabati Nandan, so many. And I got to meet Jerry Raj, and immediately I liked him because I was always attracted to the soft-spoken devotees that weren't pushing the, their own agenda, their learning and a team player. And so he's on the airplane, and he's very stoic, and he's, he, he was like a, a, a statue, a walking statue, and he wouldn't look this way, he wouldn't look that way. He's looking out the window, and he says, there's Maya out there. And, and we were in, this was Bosco Airlines. It was a two-engine plane, like in Casablanca. You know, it's two a bike. It was not a jet. Two engines. And he's worried about Maya. And I said, "Do you see what's in this airplane? And there's people with goats and and hens." And at that point, somebody regurgitated in the aisle just for theatrical embellishment. <laughs> And that's what he did. I got a laugh out of the guy, finally, by doing some one... I told him about Prabhupada jokes. Because I saw this guy has a sense of humor within that stoic, automaton-like frame. And from then on, it's just like I just saw him flower and flower. Of course, in India, you have to use your common sense. And then... Prabhupada asked us to start life membership, and I said, let me do the talking. And he became one of the best ones because he was so determined, but in such a nice way. He was like a little Pekingese dog. He'd say, but you said, Mr. Sharma, that I could come back here. And, the guy, and, the, and these guys, actually there's one guy we went to who had a buzzer, a fake phone thing. When we were just getting to the crunch, the closing, he would do the thing and say, hello. You know, and we, we, we went together. And we went to the infamous Mr. Nair, who was the demon in Bombay. He even attacked our temple. And I asked Giri Raj if he remembered that. And we went together, and this guy said he was Krishna. And this is, this is just at the start of this two-year relationship with finally... Finally, he died, and I was at the signing of the, of the temple. And it was like it was in another century. The lawyers looked like they had powdered wigs on, and Prabhupada was there, and Mrs. Nair was there, and it looked like the pens had plumes. It, it didn't seem like it was in the 20th century, because Mrs. Nair apologized to Prabhupada and said, I didn't mean it. It was my husband. And he said, I know, no, he's like a daughter. And so this project happened, and he was put in charge of it. But in the beginning, it was like he became the best life member attractor by this passive determination, like water wearing down marble. Some of these guys would resist, but he would just disarm them with his sweetness. And so, 
Then we had many adventures together. This man, Mr. Nair, I'm Krishna, I'm Krishna. You don't remember, but I said, do you have 16,108 wives? Krishna did. He said, no. I said, and if you did, could you support them all? Yes, yes. He's jumping up and down. Well, he had this paperweight. I, I dropped it on his desk, the glass. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that devotee-like, but it stopped his brain. So, yeah, I, I don't claim to not be outrageous sometimes in my Krishna conscious service from apparently pulling curtains down at the BBC to wrap the dancers, the uh, go-go dancers, in sari-like cloth so they could dance with our uh, Govindam on television. So I don't claim to be not outrageous for Krishna, but... Uh, He's a good example, because he's always been a gentleman, and I wanted to introduce you to him. our great fortune to meet Srila Prabhupada and hear from him about Krishna, that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. And that was Srila Prabhupada's main mission, to introduce Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead and to uh, help us understand that we are eternal servants of Krishna and that the best way to realize our eternal relationship with Krishna in the present age of Kali is to chant the holy names of Krishna especially the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And you could say that he planted the seed of bhakti uh, or offered the seed of bhakti to anyone and everyone. And uh, some uh, fortunate souls, uh, Gurudas Prabhu was one of the early pioneers, and then others, myself, and still others, uh, 
were able to accept that seed of bhakti. And then, after giving us the seed, Srila Prabhupada watered it by singing songs about Krishna, by explaining the philosophy of Krishna consciousness from the Bhagavad Gita, uh, by telling us uh, the, the, the pastimes of Krishna. And he nurtured that seed. And he, he did everything for us. Uh, when you uh, plant a seed and water it, you also have to be careful of weeds. Weeds may grow up alongside the creeper and uh, the weeds may actually resemble the creeper and it takes someone with an expert eye to distinguish the, the, the creeper of devotional service from other creepers that may sprout up and Srila Prabhupada did that it, it, it happened that individual devotees and even um, numbers of devotees uh, became confused about what pure devotional service is um, because we're always subject to other influences uh, and being influenced by different ideas, we could become confused and we could mistake something as being pure devotional service or part of pure devotional service that was not pure devotional service. And uh, if you have a, a garden, then you will want to put a fence around it, especially when uh, there are creatures lurking about that, that might enter the garden and uh, wreak havoc. Uh, this metaphor, by the way, is, was given by Lord Chaitanya in his instructions to Rupa Goswami. And yes, yes, everyone turn off your cell phones, very good. So, um, <coughs> Lord Chaitanya gave the example of the Bhakti Lata Bij in his instructions to Rupa Goswami. And Srila Prabhupada has ex explained in his purports uh, more of the significance of, of the metaphor. But this, the seed is the original idea. Uh, and the, the, the methods of 
devotional service. The water by which the seed is nourished is chanting and hearing about Krishna. The weeds that may grow up alongside the devotional creeper are material desires. There are basically two categories of material desires, broad categories. The desire for bhukti, which means material enjoyment, and the desire for mukti, which means impersonal liberation, merging and becoming one with the Supreme, uh, which is generally generally in the uh, uh, form of a, a, an impersonal spiritual light called the Brahma Jyoti. And then there is behavior that is considered inappropriate for a devotee. And Lord Chaitanya mentions six types, but there are so many. One is uh, um, duplicitous behavior. A devotee should be simple. It's one of the basic characteristics of the devotee, saralata, simplicity. Um, and another is an, another type of uh, unwanted behavior is uh, jivahimsa, violence towards other living entities, which in the growth sense would refer to uh, killing animals and eating their flesh according to uh, scripture uh, everyone involved in the process of killing the animal is held responsible uh, the person who rears the animal ultimately for slaughter the person who slaughters the animal, the person who transports the flesh, the person who cooks the flesh, the person who serves it, and the person who eats it. Actually, the person who sells it is in there too. So they're all considered part of that conspiracy. It's just like if a gang robs a bank. So only one person may physically, you know, take the, the money out of the safe. But the person behind the scenes who had the idea, who's not even at the scene of the crime, he's part of the conspiracy. The driver, he was just sitting in the, in the vehicle. He didn't come into the bank. He's also part of it, and the, the person who comes in the bank with a, a gun and threatens everyone, if you move, we'll kill you, he's part of it. It's not just the person who physically takes the money uh, from the safe. 
So in the same way, everyone involved in the process of eating meat is part of the, quote, conspiracy, end quote, to, to kill the, some innocent animal for the sake of plundering the flesh from its body and consuming it. So this is Jiva Himsa, uh, violence towards other living entities. Um, it's sort of uh, 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 to me uh, a striking feature of uh, California that there are so many people conscious of the environment, conscious of the suffering of creatures. Uh, recently, a devotee told me about an incident in Santa Barbara. I, I have a base in Santa Barbara where a some little creature a jackal? Could it have been a jackal? Some little creature ended up uh, on the road. No one could immediately identify it, but it was obviously some baby rodent uh, or some mammal. And like the traffic stopped, people got out of their cars, they were looking at it, trying to identify it, trying to think what to do, how to save its life. And someone eventually identified it and figured out how to deal with it and picked it up and saved its life. So this is very um, commendable to have that sort of consciousness uh, that there's life, the soul, jiva, jivatma, there's life, that the soul in, in other species of life. But then it also occurred to me how many of these good people who stopped their cars to attend to this little baby mammal would not hesitate to go home and eat chunks of flesh of other mammals without even thinking about it. There's some sort of uh, disconnection. There's some sort of disconnection that there's one side of them, you know, oh, if, you know, some some little rodent is stranded or, 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 or I've, I've seen it sometimes a, uh, a seal will get washed up on the beach um, and so there's, there's a whole department uh, for dealing with marine mammals and you phone them and you tell them you know where where the seal is and they, they try to come out and rescue the seal and they have very sophisticated arrangements for taking care of selected species. Uh, 
who form part of a world of sense gratification that appeals to them. You know, it has a little goodness to it. There is an element of goodness to it, but it's, it's, it's base, it, the basic idea is there, the center. Every conditioned soul has the idea there, the center. And they see others uh, as supporting caste in the drama of their lives. And they see the world around them as the set for their drama. So in, 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 in the drama of their lives, they want, you know, nice seals and dolphins and whales. They like that as part of the set. And, you know, little, you know, puppies and squirrels and uh, birds. And they, they like that as part of their the set. Uh, uh, for their for the drama of their lives so there's no real philosophy there's some sentiment there's no real philosophy and you know when it suits them oh no problem go to the go to the good health food store and get some organic chicken get some organic I mean I probably shouldn't have even said that I definitely won't say any more but get get organic flesh and cook it up and eat it so they, they have some good sentiments but they don't really have a clear philosophy um like Krishna gives in the Bhagavad Gita, that, that we are not the body, but the soul uh, is the real living entity, and the body is just a, a, a machine that's operated by the soul. And the different species of life are different types of machines. It's like someone will drive a, a Ford, someone will drive a Chevrolet, someone will drive a, a Mercedes-Benz, someone will drive a Rolls-Royce. Um, but that's just the machine. The, you, you are not the machine that you're in. I mean, I, one moment I might be in a uh, in a little Toyota, the next minute I might be in a big uh, Lexus but I'm still the same person so the soul is transmigrating through different forms of life, different bodies but the soul remains the same um, and although we have different machines or different dress the, the body is also compared to dress but the person is the same. Um, you know, say, uh, this gentleman is wearing a red shirt. This one is wearing a white shirt. But you are not white and he is not red. And it would be 
it would be foolish to distinguish between the two of you on the basis of what color shirt you wear, red, white, gray, blue. It's just the dress. Underneath, they're all human beings. So in the same way, these bodies that we're wearing, they're just like dress that we change. One day we might be wearing white, the next day red, the next day black, and so on. But the soul is the same. And a, a devotee uh, identifies with all living beings, all living entities, and wants to do good for all of them. And the best way to do good for them is to connect them with the Supreme Soul. Uh, that is yoga. The word yoga means to connect or link. And it really means, like the English word yoke, it comes from that. It means to connect with God. And when we do that, then we're happy, we're satisfied, and all of our problems are solved. So Srila Prabhupada was aware of this philosophy. He had this knowledge. And he came to a place where people were unaware of it and uh, offered it to them. And he felt that the, the principles that he, were, he was enunciating, especially in terms of personal conduct, were so different from the way of life that the people in, in, in America were following. He thought that no one will listen to him, that he will tell people, you know, no eating meat, fish, or eggs, no taking intoxicants, no uh, gambling, no in, indulging in illicit sex. And they will say, thank you very much, Swamiji, now you can go home. That was what he thought would happen. But actually, there was a, a generation of young people who were searching. They, as Gurudas Prabhu said, uh, they were not satisfied. You know, Prabhupada said about our generation that they, um, that they, they rejected the stereotyped materialistic way of life of their uh, parents and grandparents. Uh, so we were looking for some alternative. Um, and many people, <laughs> the alternatives they found were very diverse. But, but we were fortunate to have, in that state of, of, of looking for an alternative, we were fortunate to find a proper guide like uh, Srila Prabhupada. And that uh, made all the difference. Otherwise, many of our generation became hippies. And, uh, yeah, Srila Prabhupada said that, um, you know, that, that they had rejected the stereotyped materialistic way of life but they had no positive information about the beautiful life 
in Krishna consciousness. And that is something that Srila Prabhupada gave us. He, he gave us information about it and he gave us the experience of it. We experienced it in his person. And he created a spiritual family around him. And anyone who entered the spiritual family, entered the, the orbit of the spiritual family, could have the same experience of, of transcendental love and bliss. So, after remaining in the United States for about uh, five years, from 1965 to 1970, Srila Prabhupada had the idea to go back to India and introduce Krishna consciousness there. Of course, Krishna consciousness is already there. It's natural. But Srila Prabhupada uh, perceived that the Indians were very eager to imitate the Westerners, imitate the Americans. So he thought, okay, these Indians, they want to imitate the Americans, so if the Americans take to Krishna consciousness, then the Indians who are so eager to imitate the Americans, they'll also take to Krishna consciousness. And actually, it happened. You know, the strategy worked. Because they, they took it for, for granted. I mean, many people, they just took it for granted. Oh, we're, we're born in this. You know, I meant so many. Krishna's in our blood. Krishna's in our blood. Uh, we're born in this. We know about this before you were even born. But, and I remember this is one thing, one of the very, one of the many striking things that I learned from Guru Das, that I heard Guru Das Prabhu say. Because some, sometimes they would ask us, why did you take to Krishna consciousness? Why did you give up your families and your nation and, and your wealth to take to Krishna consciousness? And Guru Das Prabhu would say, you obviously have not experienced what Krishna consciousness is. Because if you had experienced it, you would not be asking this question. And that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Because one who's actually relished some of the sweet taste of Krishna consciousness, you know, would never exchange it for the uh, pale or confused taste of, of material life. So, at this stage, because we uh, are somewhat limited in time, um, I would like to share uh, one or two experiences uh, that I had with Srila Prabhupada that relate to, to things that uh, Guru Das Prabhu mentioned in his uh, 
little talk. Uh, the idea that um, some intelligent young men and women came forward to join Srila Prabhupada and assist him. And also the idea that, um, not idea, the fact that my father tried to sort of bribe me to leave uh, Srila Prabhupada. So in, uh, in 1971, uh, I had come to Calcutta. Srila Prabhupada was there. And my parents wanted to come and visit. What they really wanted to do was to get me back. And as Guru Das Prabhu mentioned, I was very uh, rigid, you know, very uh, strict. I remember when I first joined the Boston Temple, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go out of the temple by myself because I thought if I didn't have a devotee with me, I might be tempted to look at a billboard or something on the street, which would be Maya, which would be a, uh, a distraction. Krishna. So, Srila uh, Prabhupada knew my nature. He knew all of our natures. So before my parents came, he said, uh, he said, you should spend some time with your parents. It's your duty. So, okay. I, I got the clear instruction. That was good. He also said uh, that I should not accept anything from them for myself, or they might think that we do not take care of our devotees. So that was another instruction. Okay. Um, so that was all clear. So they came, and... Eventually, they, uh, they came to, to meet Srila Prabhupada in his room. And he was sitting, the same room as there, uh, at three, in Rye Castle, and three Albert Road, Calcutta. And he was sitting, as usual, behind his low table, on an asan, or simple cushion, and he was speaking to some devotees. And when my uh, parents came in the room, he suddenly shifted the, the, the topic of the discussion to when he was a pharmacist in Alabad. And uh, Motilal Nehru, who was the father of Jawaharlal Nehru, who became the first Prime Minister of India. Motilal Nehru was his <coughs> customer. 
But Srila Prabhupada said that he was a, a made-in-England man. He said if he had a medicine that would, had on the label made in, in, in England, and he had the exact same medicine from India, Motilal Nehru, even if it cost five times as much, or even ten times as much, but he would, he would take the medicine that said made in England. So that family was like that, that they like made in England people. And Motilal Nehru had other sons, but he considered Jawaharlal Nehru to be particularly useless. So it was Gandhi's principle to go to the families of India and say, you have so many sons, give me one for my freedom movement. So Motilal Nehru thought, oh, this one's useless. <laughs> we'll give him. We'll give him. So, okay, he, he, he joined... Uh, joined the freedom movement. And, you know, Srila Prabhupada said how he was very successful in business and how one astrologer had predicted that he would become the richest man in India. And, you know, in a very subtle and sort of entertaining and interesting and amusing way, Srila Prabhupada was sort of spinning this web of uh, Krishna Kata uh, uh, around my father and in a, in a very subtle and indirect way attacking his prejudices, which are very common prejudices than that America is superior to India or the West is superior to the East and and that big people in the material world like Jawaharlal Nehru are, are better than others and somehow superior and they're the people we should follow and all these types of illusions that people have. And like in a very subtle and indirect way, he was uh, attacking all of those misconceptions and illusions that could summon, come in the way of a person's accepting Krishna consciousness, accepting the guidance of people who are really qualified to give guidance, not, you know, the mundane uh, leaders of the world. So, like this, the talk went on. And then uh, Srila Prabhupada um, as I recall, sort of like let the other devotees go, leave the room. And it was just me, my father, my mother, and Srila Prabhupada's sister, <coughs> whom we uh, affectionately called Pishima, uh, which I believe means the sister of the father, aunt, you could say. And um, she was also a devotee. 
uh, she had taken initiation. I think, did she have first from Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur or else? I think first from him and second from one of um, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur's disciples. So it was us. And eventually uh, my father uh, came to the point that uh, he wanted me back. And then he, he came up with this idea of the money that uh, he, he wanted to give me a million dollars. He wanted to put it in, in, it in a trust. And he wanted me to come back to America to sign the documents. So, Srila Prabhupada said, yes, yes, he can sign. You, you can send the documents here and, and he will sign. <laughs> As like Guru Das Prabhu said, if you, know, if you were looking for someone who was cool, like Prabhupada was the coolest. So, you know, if you were looking to, to, uh, to challenge someone who was clever, you know, Prabhupada was clever than more clever than the cleverest. He said, yes, yes, you can send the documents, he will sign. And then, you know, my father was a lawyer. He was, he was a lawyer, and uh, I, I didn't realize it until later when, when I uh, visited my parents' house uh, in the suburbs of Chicago. But he had gotten a copy of the Bhagavad Gita as it is. And he had really scrutinizingly studied it and underlined portions and made notes in, in, in the margin. So, I didn't have the background, but he just said to Srila Prabhupada, well, I have read in your books that one can be Krishna conscious even at home. He doesn't have to leave home to become Krishna conscious. So what would be the problem if Glenn uh, came home and was Krishna conscious at home? So Srila Prabhupada said, yes, uh, that's true, but it's, it's a question of association. If he stays at home, he won't have the same association that he will have here. Uh, which was very true. I don't even think we had a temple. This kind had a temple in Chicago then. So, but he could see, <clears throat> he could see that my father was not happy with that uh, answer. So Srila Prabhupada said, but if he wants to go with you, I have no objection. Why, why don't you just ask him? So then, you know, then my father said, well, what do you say? You know, I'm ready to give you this million dollars and the trust and I want you to come home and you can be Krishna conscious, but just, you know, be with us, be close to us. So I said, well, I would rather stay with Srila Prabhupada. So... Um, 
Then my mother spoke as a mother. And she was very concerned about my health. And it's true, I was, I was quite thin and frail. And um, I had had jaundice. So anyway, but she was concerned. And in those days, people had the idea that if you don't eat meat, you won't get enough protein. That was like the, the standard conception. So she raised that point. And uh, anyway, so Srila Prabhupada could see like both the parents, they weren't really very happy with the way things were going. So then he said, I will take personal care of him. You let him remain with me. This was in October. You let him remain with me. I will take personal care of him. And when I come to America in April, I will bring him with me. So then I said to, to my father, you know, just see how intelligent Srila Prabhupada is. That when it's un- unpleasant in America, it's cold in the winter months in America, he's in India. And when it gets too hot in India and it's pleasant in America in the summer, then he goes to America. So, Srila uh, Prabhupada Yes, so I said how intelligent Srila Prabhupada was. And then then Srila Prabhupada said uh, that to to my father, actually your son is intelligent because he has understood my motives. And then my father said to Srila Prabhupada, actually you are very intelligent. And then Srila Prabhupada said, well, I guess I must be intelligent. Otherwise, how could I attract so many intelligent young men like your son? So somehow my father's appreciation um, for Srila Prabhupada was increasing. Uh, But my mother, you know, as a mother, she began to cry, you know. And to, to try to cheer her up, Srila Prabhupada gave her and, and everyone some sweets he had on his table. He would always keep sweets that he would distribute as prasad. And he, he was, especially in Calcutta, he had uh, rasgulla and sandesh. So his sister, Pishimam, was putting the, the, the uh, say, sandesh into the, everyone's hands, and Prabhupada was telling my mother, have some, have some. You know, and then she said, this, these sweets are full of protein. Rasgula <laughs> <laughs> and sandesh, it's all cheese, it's full of protein. And then he said to me, 
You must eat two dozen rasgulla and sandesh every day. It's quite an instruction. So, uh, you know, he was, he was uh, trying to, to cheer them up. And in the end, it ended up on, on uh, quite a sweet note. And as we were leaving, you know, walking out of Shiva Prabhupada's room, my father said to me, I can say two things about your master. One, he's a brilliant organizer. And two, he really knows how to deal with people. And in my father's value system, these were about the two highest values. So it was a very um, high appreciation uh, for Srila Prabhupada from my father. So then, uh, from Calcutta, this is a whole history, but from Calcutta, Srila Prabhupada went to Delhi for the first Delhi Pandal. Uh, Guru Das Prabhu was one of the main organizers of the first Delhi Pandal. That was another adventure. And then um, from there, Prabhupada took a group of disciples to Vrindavan, but I went to Madras. Srila Prabhupada wanted someone to go to Madras. He'd received an invitation from Dr. Bali, the husband of Vajanti Mala, who was a famous Bharatnatyam dancer, and later became a, a, I guess, a film actress. And, uh, you know, Prabhupada wanted someone to go, and nobody nobody really wanted to go. They all wanted to go with Prabhupada to Vrindavan. But I volunteered. I knew he wanted someone, and I somehow was convinced already that you know, the secret of success in spiritual life is to please the spiritual master. So I volunteered and I went to Madras. And in Madras, we didn't have a center. I was staying in different people's homes and eating very well. I mean, that's not a big point, but it's it's quite incidental. But what's important What's significant is that we arranged a program for Srila Prabhupada. So he came at a very nice program on uh, Edward Elliott's Road, a very prestigious location in Madras at the uh, AVM Kalayan Pandit Kalaya Mandapam. And he saw that I had gained weight. So he said, I should take a a picture of myself and send it to my parents so that they'll see I'm hale and hearty. So it was just one incident that Gurudas Prabhu reminded me of. Um, I... I wasn't, I wasn't, well, anyway, we have about five minutes. Um, I think we won't have 
time for questions because only five minutes. But I will stay on. Uh, maybe Gurudas Prabhu will too, but I will stay on. So after the RT, if you want, you can meet with us. But you, you raised your hand. I guess, um, very satisfied being There's relative truth and absolute truth. Mm -hmm. Relative truths change. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, it's 8.30 now. In a half hour, it'll be 9. But absolute truths don't change. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as you, as an individual growing, as a soul, as part and parcel of Krishna, you are already perfect. But that pure soul is covered by illusion. So, for you, progress would be to become free from illusions and material attachments. And, uh, yeah, purify your consciousness uh, so that you you realize your actual eternal perfection. It's like if someone diseased, his, for him, progress means to recover from the disease, to follow the doctor's orders, to take the medicine, to, to follow the diet, to, to follow the regimen that the doctor gives. And as he makes progress, he'll become more and more healthy. And then when he's cured of the disease, he'll be completely healthy. 
which is what he was before he got the disease. So he's making progress, but towards a healthy condition that existed prior to the disease. So in a sense, you could say he's the same as he was before he made all the progress. You follow what I'm saying? The, the prog- or it's like you, it's like you, um, you know, you're on the land and you, or whatever, say, you're, you slip in the water and you get pulled out by, by the current. Then you have to swim back to shore. So you're making progress. You know, as you swim, you're making progress coming closer to the shore. But when you reach the shore, you're where you began before you had your little mishap. So we were with Krishna. Somehow we came into the material world and forgot him. So for us, progress means to revive our memory of Krishna and go back to him. And when we're back, we are what we always were. Krishna's eternal servant. Is that all right? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, Poonam? Gurudas Prabhu, I answered the... You? Well, I was also going to say, like you sure. did, that they are absolute and uh, changeable truths. And so, uh, one of the ways that, it, that Prabhupada said is that we have truths in the Vedas, but... The, things also depend on time, place, and circumstance. So as an intelligent personality, you can know what to do in different circumstances because there are different nuances to circumstances. But we do have absolute truth. Nagiriraj also answered that before that the devotional creeper is progressing towards Krishna, but there's also many weeds and many tests. And you can know that as you make progress, you will also be tested by Maya. Even to the effect that when Prabhupada was making progress in San Francisco, he had another stroke, and he told us it was because so much success was happening. But Krishna won't test you more than you'll be able to endure. Because it's valuable, when you learn it, you won't forget it. Prabhupada said, something that is learned easy is easily forgotten and something that is learned hard is hard to forget so what we're doing is building a strong foundation 
with the holy names, with association. And all of us have a common thing, no matter whether we just joined or many years ago. We kept on, determined, and we've also tolerated many tests. Maybe the weather is cold, maybe we were living in a box in some place, which actually many of us did. Malati was living in a box in, in London, <coughs> and George Harrison would joke, uh, Monty Python that uh, I'm so poor I was living on the floor oh you had a floor <laughs> and I'm so poor I was living in a box oh you had a box so the test is there but we also have so much that I don't take for granted because there wasn't all this all of you this wonderful family that I can go all over the world and Prabhupada has put this tangible knowledge in place. So yes, we're tested. Yes, it's hard. Yes, there's many temptations. But we have alternatives. We have things we can fall back on. We can talk to each other and tell our hearts and hear somebody else. So we have to take advantage of each other's association. We want each other to succeed, not fail. That's Krishna consciousness. And Prabhupada is the example. Uh, Two stories came to mind. I've seen him deal with so many parents and uh, there's so many stories, but basically, as if your daughter or son is happy, why do you object? Was the, he's the clever disarming one so many times. But even uh, one of our godbrothers saw that, oh, sannyasis are getting special treatment, and a lot of people were saying, oh, can I become a sannyasi, not realizing exactly what it is oh, can I? so this one devotee yes Prabhupada can I become a sannyasi and Prabhupada said yes when you give up your desire for sex life you can become a sannyasi <laughs> and the devotee now married said Prabhupada has such a sweet way of saying no <laughs> and one other short story Um, that the idea that they will imitate Americans. We were riding down the road in Bengal someplace, and if you've been to India, you know how important the horn is in the car. (laughs) More important than the engine or the brakes. (laughs) Because when you honk the horn... The cows, the people gravitate towards the side of the road. Everybody. It's just automatic. It's like Krishna is really organizing this chaotic, dysfunctional scene. It suddenly is harmonious, Krishna. There's a cow here and somebody drawing a doll here. 
So, the horn broke. So what to do? And people weren't getting off the road. So Prabhupada always had no anxiety, like his shirt. And he said, give me my tali, his metal plate, and my cane. And he started banging it out the window. And sure enough, the cows and people gravitated just like it was a horn. Prabhupada turns to me and smiles his huge oceanic smile and says, they will think it is an American invention and imitate. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know if that answered your question. Uh, We are on a... We are on the planet of duality, but you, you are not alone. You're not alone. We have, to, we have to assist each other on the road back to Godhead. Prabhupada wants that very much. Any other questions or comments? Today's economy is worse than when you were there, he's saying, and so money is a dividing factor in the world today, because now people are experiencing this, and Rome is on the decline, and people aren't as fortunate as devotees who have simple living and high thinking. They can survive because... We can live simpler and we can share. Just think if the world shared this one little concept, how it would change the world. So, of course, this is one of the main factors because money is a promissory note. It's a promissory note. It promises some sense gratification. Prabhupada wanted us to open the farms and invite unemployed people and devotees to work there and follow some rules and regulations and a lot of them would become devotees. And so in some ways we have a responsibility and we're dropping the ball. I mean, the devotees can... Of course, you have worked in a hospice and that's a nice thing. Girma Maharaj is... 
uh, worked in hospice programs, and, and so that's an answer. But uh, I, I know what you're saying. It's dividing relationships. It's, people are seeing this. Uh, it's unfortunate because you don't want to size up somebody thinking they might give me some money. That's not a proper interaction. You want to be free of that. So, this is one of the problems. But like I say, actually, all the problems, we have to rely on Krishna. There's different types of problems. But we can also rely on each other. And that's, that's what I'm encouraging. Either the farms... This is a community too, and I say this, and sometimes I don't know if it's heard, but if the community is not taking care of the people within, they can't go and give out. They can't preach properly. Prabhupada said to Rameshwar Maharaj, uh, maybe it was... Book distribution is important, but first and foremost, take care of yourself. So Prabhupada wants us to share even more than we are. And the potential here, there's a whole university. We can get together and put our heads together and see how we can go to the university and preach Krishna consciousness. There's so many people. And in actuality, what Maya does in India, one of the nice things I learned about India is that when there's problems, they, they hug Krishna like a little child. The mother's chastised the child. And who does the child go to for protection? Or like a loyal dog. That love. So, Maya pushes us closer to Krishna. So, we're being tested. It's a purification process, the earth. <clears throat> and I empathize with what you're saying because many people are just concentrating on that too much. But uh, a practical answer, like I say, is we're a community and... The more we get together and hear each other and say, well, maybe I can share in this way or help out in this way, I think that's a practical alternative as well. Srila Prabhupada, please.